0: We're thrilled to be here, and we've got an evening service tonight, and both this morning and this evening, what Greta and I want to do is just share some of the prophetic things that we feel God is saying for 2017. Obviously, we don't know everything God's saying, and we haven't got time to share all the stuff He's sharing with us, but we're going to share some things this morning and this evening that we really hope and pray, you know, you'll catch something of the heartbeat of God for your life and for our lives together for 2017. So, Greta's going to kick off, and I'll come back.
1: Well, just before I do, Paul said that, that David and I have a heart for Northland, it's because Father has a heart for Northland. And I really sense Kataya is a special place. And I was seeing something else in the spiritual heritage here um, ever since we arrived. If you can picture, you know, on a, a it, it has been raining overnight. And sometimes in the daytime, they're thick clouds. And suddenly... The sun breaks through and you get the shaft of light, of of sun coming through, the shaft of light. And I was having a picture of a shaft of light. And that picture, I feel, um, represents part of the spiritual heritage here. You know, one of the the beautiful qualities that the Lord um, has gifted the Maori people with is a seer anointing to see. And what I I feel like as I come into Kytaya in the spiritual realm, I sense I'm stepping under that shaft of light. And and I just see um, the prophetic anointing wanting to flow. Um, And could we just pray about that for a moment? Father, I thank you. For all that has happened in the past, we thank you for your giftings that you put on people. And Lord, it's for the gift to see and to hear from you is a gift for all your peoples. And Lord, we pray for that spiritual heritage in this place to be awakened. We speak awakening and we speak a releasing of the prophetic seer anointing in, in Kaitya, in this northern region. Once again, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I feel there are just a few people that God wants to encourage. Um, on, on Friday night, I, I, I slept overnight with my, my, um, my son-daughter-in-law and, and little granddaughter. Uh, She's um, only, only one-year-old. Um, because I'd attended a, a university course the day before, and it was too late to travel up north. And, um, you know, uh, I saw him with his little daughter. She was, my, my son is, is tall, he's well over six foot, he's very strong. But at the same time, he is, he is so gentle and calm and patient with, with his little baby daughter. And I saw him, her, she was just sitting on his lap, with his strong arms gently holding her. And this, he, it was such a picture of this little one being absolutely safe and secure in her father's arms. And there's somebody here today, father wants you to know that he is your safe place, that you can always be safe and secure in his love. The Bible says underneath, Are the the everlasting arms. He always has you, he always holds you. And there's somebody else, I just sense um, you've been really worried about things. You see things, there are so much, um, there's many changes, etc., going on. But he just wants to give you this scripture Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And um, it, it, you know, it basically says, don't be worried about anything. You know, you see what's happening in the world here and overseas, and there's so much change, and it's tumultuous and, and confusing and apparently chaotic, but it's not. Um, let Jesus, the Prince of Peace, um, fill you and impart his peace. That that all these things, you come with your prayers and petitions, your requests with thanksgiving to God, and he promises that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard, will protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So just be encouraged. Just keep your eyes on Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And then there's just one other person I feel God wants to encourage with. You know, um, yesterday we arrived at our motel, and the motel owner escorted us to the door, to the unit. And she said, um, the door is opened, but it is open, but it's stuck, so you just push it and it'll open. And I feel there's somebody here, you feel like you've got a shut door in front of you. You need to know it is actually open, it is not locked. Push in pray, and God's going to open it for you. Now, 2017, I really am filled with awe at the amazing things God is saying and what he intends to do. Um, some of you here may have in, in, in English literature at high school read Charles Dickens or had to read Charles Dickens, might not have been a choice, but, but he was a famous classic author, and one of the, the titles of his books was called Great Expectations, and God's really been speaking to me through that title. And, and what I feel him saying is that he wants you and I to have great expectations for that God will fulfill his great purposes that he has for us as well as for our nations and for many of the nations of the world. Now, this prophetic word has been really strong in me. Open window, open door. Now, what does that mean? Firstly, the open window. Right now, in this moment in history, the Lord is starting to open a great window of opportunity. And this phrase denotes a limited period of time. It's at least eight years. Um, It might be 17 years or more, unsure of that. But this window of the golden opportunity is for an unprecedented harvest of salvation. That's the primary purpose. And we need to seize this opportunity with both hands and make the most of it. For some nations, God intends this to be a golden time of profound mercy and grace, an environment of prospering and peace, so that salvation transformation and reformation can spring up. Now, the open door, as God opens this great window of opportunity in time, he's also opening a great door for effective work. And the scripture highlighted to me is 1 Corinthians 16 at 9. A great door for effective work has opened to me and there are many who oppose me. So, with the, with the great door being opened of, of opportunity, there, there is always opposition. Expect increased opposition. But the second scripture is Revelation 3.8 where Jesus said, see. We've got to prophetically see with our spiritual eyes. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. That's his promise we stand on. So, And another thing, when you you face this enemy opposition, as you go through the open doors, just remember that he is the one that opens the doors. And in this season, God's going to open many new doors for his people. And those that walk through, he will anoint and empower. But 2017, as an additional encouragement, is the 100th anniversary of the famous Battle of Beersheba. And this is significant to us today. This event then, 100 years ago, shaped the future of world history. In this battle, there was a cooperative fighting together of allies. And the point is, if we as God's people will battle together, our prayers have the power to shape the future destiny of nations. As Pastor Paul said, if we sing over nations, there's incredible power released. But it's worshiping and interceding together. If we will battle in prayer, um, it is incredibly powerful to shape the future destiny of nations. In this battle, the courageous charge of the light horsemen won victory for the Allies They stormed through the enemy defenses and seized the strategic town of Beersheba. And this enabled the allied forces to actually advance into enemy-held territory. And this event turned the tide of war in their favor. It is time to take our nation back. The Lord intends us to advance into enemy territory. And he will turn the tide in our favor. Note also that when they captured Beersheba, with it, they also captured the 17 wells there. They were full-flowing, functioning wells. Now, that number 17 is significant. Because in the Bible, it symbolizes overcoming the enemy and complete victory. We are in and. 17 Victory is God's will for you and for me. So when we when the Lord opens these new doors for us he wants us to be bold and courageous like those light horsemen. Father calls you sons of light and we need to rise up clothed with the armor of light. And together with the allies, the local churches in this town and region charge at full gallop through the open doors. God is calling us. All he wants is our willingness. Doesn't matter how weak or insignificant we feel, but God is calling us to do great exploits for his kingdom um, in this great window of opportunity that he is currently opening.
0: Sweetheart, that was great. Open doors, open windows, year of victory. I like that. Amen. And you know, every prophecy is an invitation to intercession. So just because you hear something doesn't mean it will come to pass. So a lot of Christians get prophetic words and then figure out, well, why hasn't God done it? Well, possibly because you've not mixed it with faith and prayed it into being. So there's a responsibility on us um, whenever a prophetic word comes that we just don't casual about it, but you know, if God is speaking something out of that to you, then then take it and pray it into being, and that's great. Hey, we, just before I get into the Word this morning, um, we brought some copies of our latest book, Afterlife, that was just released last year. And uh, as we were shared in our first visit, uh, many of you will know that Greta and I lost our spouses about eight years ago. And so um, God took us on a journey of healing our hearts from grief of that loss of um, bringing us together in an amazing way. And so we, we write about that, and it'll be a great comfort to those that have lost uh, people or you know others that have. But the, the rest of the book is a lot about, well, what actually happens when you die? So what, what happens to the person that dies? You know, where, does, where do they go? Um, what is heaven like? There's a whole chapter on what heaven is like. Um, It's a lot more than you think. And in that chapter, we talk about a lot of features of what happens in heaven. And one of the things we touch on also in the book is uh, what happens to um, children that die, like babies that are miscarried or aborted or little kids that die young. What happens to them? Because there's probably people in this room. I know of at least one that you've suffered the loss of a child. What happens to that child? We talk about that in the book. Um, what about resurrection? Bible says our bodies are going to get raised from the dead. You know how's that all going to happen? And what will your body be like in the resurrection? So there's a whole chapter on what your resurrection body will be like. You think you look good now? Wait till then. There's hope for Pastor Paul. Yeah, this really is. And, uh, and then Judgment Day, everybody's going to face a Judgment Day, but it'll be different for the believer compared to the non-believer. And so we've got chapters on that. And then finally, we talk about uh, the new heaven and the new earth and just what that's going to be, because God says, I'm going to make a new earth and a new heaven. And it's going to be so different to the one now. And we talk about what it's going to be like. So all of that's in the book. It's a great encouragement. And um, it's discounted for you today. So you'll find them down on the back table there as you go out. I'd love to give that one away. And I'm just going to ask, Has anyone here in the last 12 months, you've lost either your husband or your wife. Anyone in the last 12 months? You lost your husband or your wife? Okay, what about no one? What about in the last 12 months you've lost someone that's been That's really close to you. You have? All right. Well, honey, can you give the lady the book? We'd love to give you that. And may the Lord bless you. I want to talk to you uh, about a word that I feel is important that we understand for 2017. It's the word but. The word but. And if you can't remember much out of this message, just remember this. Okay? It's a but with one T, not two. All right? So, uh, but. And... um, I was praying late last year, and I was praying about some personal situations and global situations uh, that, you know, were a bit bit stressful and distressing, and I I found myself, as you do in prayer, just telling the Lord all the problems, you know, as you do. You say, well, Lord, this is the situation, and this is what we're going through, and he already knows, actually, but anyway, we feel good getting it off our chest, and then so I was telling the Lord all this stuff, and then I heard myself say, but... And then I began to come and pray with positivity as the Holy Spirit was beckoning me to do that. And I felt that word just reverberate through my spirit. And I did a a search in my computer software of every Bible verse that has the word but in it. And there's a whole lot, let me tell you. Uh, They're inspiring. And uh, I just want to share just a few of them with you today because I feel that in this year, 2017, this season that we're Moving into not just this year, but the next few years, we're really going to need to know this word. This is what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And there's one of those buts. And, you know, that's the reality. When God creates a new earth in heaven, it's going to be perfect. No sickness, no sorrow. No sin, no unrighteousness. It's going to be a perfect, beautiful, pure world. But we're not there yet. So in this present world, Jesus says, listen, till I come back, you're going to have lots of trials and sorrows. But you cheer up because I've overcome the world. And if you have Jesus living in you, you have that same overcoming spirit within your life. You know, God's called you to be an overcomer, not an underachiever, an overcomer. He's called you to be victorious. And we all face things in life. And, uh, you know, even the greatest Christians have experienced those deep trials and sorrows. And probably most people in this room, you would say, listen, I've experienced some trials and sorrows. Actually, as I was in the worship time, the Lord just kept speaking to me. There's people in this room, and really, you've had a really hard life. If you wanted to describe your life, you've had a really hard, tough life. But we're going to see in a moment. God can do something with that. There's probably people in this room that life's been smooth for you. And I've got good news for you. Cheer up. Your trials and sorrows are coming. You'll not be left out. You, know, you Nobody will be left out of that. It'll, it'll get you at some point. Anyway, this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1 verses 8 to 11. We do not want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue To deliver us. If you read Acts chapter 13 and 14, you can get the background of the story. Paul and his team were going into Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. They were preaching the gospel in four or five different cities. Everywhere he went, he got persecuted, he got beaten up. One city, he got stoned and left for dead. It's just like Everywhere that guy went, there was this huge, huge opposition, persecution. He said it was so bad, we despaired of life. In other words, he said it's so bad, we didn't want to live anymore. That's how bad it was. This is the great apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. And so intense trials and sorrows in his life. But at some point, he began to see what he was going through from God's perspective. And I don't know how long it took him to be able to say, but this happened, whether it was hours, days, weeks, or hindsight is a great thing. I don't know. But at some point, he recognized this terrible, fiery trial, this great, difficult thing that he was having to endure. At some point, he was able to say, but this happened for a reason. And the reason was that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Who raises the dead. And he said, on him we have set our hope that he will yet deliver us. And you might be going through some trial right now where you're in a place of despair. You might be going through something where you despair over your kids. You despair over your finances. You despair over your health. You despair over this or that. But you've got to know God is not finished yet. There's a but that God wants to inject. But this happened for a reason that we might not rely on ourselves. You know, one of the greatest secrets of the Christian life, if you want to achieve anything for the kingdom of God, build a great marriage, build a great family, have a great ministry, have a great career, one of the great secrets you've got to learn is, if you stay in weakness, God will multiply His power on you. The moment you think you're good enough to do it is the moment His anointing and empowering starts to lift off. If you'll stay in weakness, always say, God, I cannot do this on my own. I need your help. I need your power. that attracts the grace of God. And Paul said, we've set our hope on God because he's the one that raises the dead. And we know that he'll deliver us. And so I think that's a great, great word. Max Lucado tells the story about Chippy the Canary. I think we've got a picture coming up of Chippy. There he is, cute bird. Chippy the Canary. I don't know if that's the actual Chippy or a stand-in, but he's a canary, so it does me. He tells the story about Chippy. He writes, Chippy never saw it coming. The problems began when his owner decided to clean Chippy's cage with a vacuum cleaner. She removed the attachment from the end of the hose and stuck it in the cage. The phone rang, and she turned to pick it up. She'd barely said hello when Chippy got sucked in. The burn owner gasped, put down the phone, turned off the vacuum, and opened the bag. There was Chippy, still alive but stunned. Since the bird was covered with dust and soot, she grabbed him and raced to the bathroom, turned on the tap and held Chippy under the running water. Then realizing that Chippy was soaked and shivering, she did what any compassionate bird odor would do. She reached for the hairdryer and blasted the pet with hot air. Poor Chippy never knew what hit him. A few days after the trauma, a friend contacted Chippy's owner to see how the bird was recovering. Well, she replied, but Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. He just sits and stares. It's hard not to see why. Max writes, sucked in, washed up, and blown over, that's enough to steal the song from the stoutest heart. I don't know if there's any Chippies in the room, but man, life can do that to you. Is that right? Suck you in. You know, dump on you and blow you over. Life can throw some things like that. And, you know, what the devil wants you to do is stay trapped in your cage with a glazed look and lose your song. And what Satan will try and do in trial and difficulty is steal your song. Because one of the greatest gifts that you and I have is the ability to praise God and worship God. Satan used to be in charge of worship in heaven. Now he's fallen. He hates the fact that people dare to worship God. And he'll try and stop it. Try and take your song from you. And God wants you to you know, know that you have, a, you have a song that is not meant to be quenched. And through the trials of life, that can happen. I remember when in my early 30s, just a few years ago now. And um, there's some rude laughter coming from over there. It's got to stop. Uh, I had a battle with... Uh, Uh, cancer. It was uh, lymphatic cancer um, and particularly Hodgkin's disease. And uh, so my lymph glands were cancerous and and they gave me nine months of chemotherapy, and, and I had lots of prayer. And, of course, I came through. As you can see, I've been clear many years. But that was a really tough year because my first wife, Jane, when we were married, I knew she'd been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And, um, but it was that year when I was battling cancer that the disease started to get a lot worse for her. And so that same year as I'm battling cancer, she ends up having to use a wheelchair. And we've got three little kids, um, three, six, and, and eight, and I'm trying to pastor a church in Wellington, and it's just not an easy time. Uh, it, was, it was overwhelming. And then we got through that, and we moved up to Auckland, and then, then the disease in Jane, well, I'm recovering and getting better. The disease is getting worse in her. And so uh, it ends up that, um, you know, she spends the next 21 years of her life in a wheelchair In the last 16, I became a caregiver. I shared some of the story when we were here in November. And it was tough, and it was overwhelming. And I once asked Jane what she'd learned in all the years she'd been in a wheelchair. And she told me, she said, I've learned to smile. And that was amazing. And she did. She had that radiance and that smile. Uh, It was incredible. And then she passed away, and I shared that story in November. And, you know... I guess you'd call that a fiery trial or a chippy experience. It's kind of like overwhelming what life can throw at you. And Greta can share her own trials of her and her first husband Ron losing everything, coming to New Zealand from South Africa, the whole the whole stuff. And you know, just and, and, and many of you can share stories like that. But the thing that I learned is that God always turns things for good. He always turns things for good. And there were many times where I despaired of life in that situation, where I just didn't want to get going another day. But God, I began to realize God was doing something. And I memorized that scripture of Paul. And I would often say to myself, Lord, I'm despairing of life here. But this is happening, that I might not rely on myself, but on you. And Lord, on you I set my hope that you'll yet deliver us. And I thought he might heal Jane, but he decided to promote her to heaven and then God brings greater into my life, and now we've got a ministry that's going to the nations of the world. And what are we doing? We're just going and encouraging people. Hey, you can get through any trial. You can get through any trouble. God is a God that knows how to turn things for good. He knows how to get you through it. He knows how to raise dead things to life again. He's the God, that. but this happened, that you might not rely on yourselves, but on Him, because He raises the dead. And, you know, two books have come out of that, that whole journey. You know, we brought some copies of my first book, Hope, last time. And we have bought the copies of uh, our Greta's Help Me Write This Next Book, Afterlife. And, and so two books have come out of that. And, you know, I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. He says this, We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up and quit. We hunted down, but we but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Some of you have been knocked down. You've got to be like one of those toys. You know, you knock them over and they bounce back. Some of you have felt like life's knocked you down. You've just got to allow the Holy Spirit to help get your bounce back, that you bounce back again in God. Don't allow yourself. Don't be defined by the years of sexual abuse. Don't be defined by the years of poverty. Don't be defined by the fact your marriage broke apart. That your kids are into drugs or this. Don't be defined by that. Allow your life be defined by a faithful father who loves you and who can do amazing exploits in your life. He's just looking for faith. The devil hasn't won yet. I love this scripture in Psalm 73, 26. It says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, there's that word again, but but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Wow. You know, sometimes we've got to look back to remember what God has done for us in the past in order to take encouragement for the future. And I love this next scripture that I'm going to read to you. It's Ephesians 2, 2 to 5. And it says this, You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. And by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But here's our word again, but. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much... That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. We were once under God's judgment. That's what that scripture says. And why were we under God's judgment? Because everybody in this room sinned and done wrong things. Just like everyone else on planet Earth. There's There's no angel in this room. There might be some in the spiritual realm, but there's no angels sitting in seats. We've all been sinners. We've all done wrong things, and you do one wrong thing, that's enough to separate you from a holy God. And some of you are sitting like, David, if you knew some of the things I've done, God wouldn't want to know me. There is no sin he can't forgive. There's no yes. sin he can't forgive. doesn't matter what you've done. There's no sin he can't wash clean. And all he wants is for you to ask his forgiveness And you know, Father God loved us so much, He sent Jesus to die on a cross. That's why Christ hung on that cross, because one day, you and I are going to face a judgment from God. When you die, you'll face judgment, and then there'll be a judgment day later at the end of time. And listen, if you die with a sin unforgiven, Father's going to have to send you to hell, because He can't allow anything unclean in His holy presence. And any place where God isn't is hell. The tragedy of hell is spending eternity separated from a beautiful, wonderful God who wants to save everyone, doesn't want anyone to perish. In these scriptures, God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much, even though we were dead because of our sins. And you know, if, you, if there's some in the room and you're, you're in that lifestyle of sin and doing wrong stuff, you're dead. You might think you're living. Let me tell you, you're dead. And God doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to al- be alive. He wants you to live. He wants you to know true life. This is eternal life, Jesus said, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've said, I've come to give you abundant life. That's what Jesus said. It doesn't mean an easy life. It means an overflowing life. It means that life can overflow even in the midst of trial and difficulty. And there may be some people in the room today, you've never received God's mercy yet. God's saying to you today, son, daughter, I want to save you. I want you in my kingdom. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give an opportunity for anyone that needs to give their life to Christ, needs to ask God to forgive you your sin because you can have a brand new start. The Bible says as many that receive Jesus who believe in his name, he gives them power to become children of God. That is great news. And you look at that scripture. You know, if you're living in sin, you're under the command of Satan. He's pulling, you know, puppets. String puppets, you know how the puppeteers, they've got, they're pulling all the strings and the little puppet jerks around. You might think you're doing your own thing. You're not. You're just obeying the devil. That's what sin does. If You're in a lifestyle of sin. Now, you know, we're all weak as even as Christians, we, we do silly things. We can go straight to God and ask for his forgiveness. But I'm talking about living in that dimension. God is so rich in mercy. He'll rescue you. He'll deliver you. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you clean. That's the good news. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter how far away from God you feel. He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to stay distant. He doesn't want you to stay under the power of Satan. He wants to bring you under the power of his Holy Spirit because he wants to do you good. And when you die, he wants to take you to heaven to be with him forever and ever. This life's short. Man, this life is so short. Those of you who have lived a few decades, you know time just goes like that. You know, when you're young, you feel indestructible. You get a few decades on you, you know, wow, time's short. And we're going to face the Lord one day and let it be a day of joy. I want to conclude right now. You know, whatever we're going to face in the world this year globally, and there's a lot of shaking going on in the nations, whatever you might face personally in, in your life this coming year or in the years to come, we, I believe we know need to know this word, but... But whatever happens, but God, he's able to help you. You get get rubbished at school for being a Christian. You just stand up to it. Be polite, but stand strong on the inside. Don't allow yourself to be pushed away from your Christian faith because you fear losing popularity. Popularity sends people to hell. You stay true to Jesus. And you know, if you make a stand for him and people mock you for your faith, you know, but God is pleased with you. God will be your strength. And I want to just close with this story right now. It's a chess story. And I don't know, anyone here never played chess? Okay, most of you are familiar. Well, hopefully you're familiar. You kind of win the game when it's checkmate and you've conquered the other person's king. Anyway, this story, true story of two men that they were... uh, they were uh, visiting the Louvre, which is an art museum in Paris, and they were, they were looking at paintings, and they came across this painting, Checkmate. Uh, it was painted in the 1800s, and uh, one of the guys that was looking at the painting was a chess champion, a world chess champion. And in this painting, a man on the right is playing chess, and the person on the left is meant to represent the devil, and... The title of the painting is Checkmate because you can see the guy on the, on the right, he's just got no more moves left. It's like the devil has won. And the devil's got a bit of a smirk on his face because, you know, he's about to possess the soul of that man because it's Checkmate. And anyway, these two guys are looking at the painting, and the first guy, he just wanders off looking at other paintings, and the chess champion, just he's just staring at the painting. And he stares at this painting for three, four, five minutes. He just keeps looking. He says, there's something wrong. And he's looking at the chessboard. And because he's a chess champion, he's looking at the chessboard, staring at that chessboard. And then he stands back with a gasp and he says, it's wrong. The game is wrong. It's not checkmate. The king has one more move. And the guy's king had another move on the table. That would have prevented checkmate. And you need to know today when the devil comes to you and says, it's checkmate. I've got you. I've got your marriage. I've got your kids. I've got your health. I've got your finances. You need to say, no, devil. It's not checkmate. My king has one more move. Hallelujah. Your king has another move. You're addicted to drugs. Satan says, I've got you. I've got you in my snare. You'll never be free of those drugs. I tell you what, if you trust Jesus, your king has one more move. He can set you free from that. I don't know what binds you today, what blocks you, what holds you down But I know my king has one more move and you and I need to go into 2017 knowing there's a word called but and you need to use it a lot. Don't just declare the negatives over your life. You can declare the situation, but say but God is going to come through because my king has another move yet. Wow. Come on. Give the Lord a hand because that's who he is. You and I don't need to be checkmated by the devil we're going to minister into this in just a few minutes. You know, when it looks like you're crushed, the king has one more move. When it looks like you're defeated, the king has one more move. When it looks like you cannot go on anymore, know that your king has got another move. And just before we pray into that, because I feel like the Holy Spirit just wants to release some amazing things into people's life. I just want to come back to the fact. Maybe there's some people in the room today and you've never yet given your life to Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says very plainly, as many that receive him, who believe in him. He gives them power to become children of God. You don't become a child of God by coming to church. That's something a child of God does, but you become a child of God. How? By connecting your life to Jesus. And I'd love to pray in a a moment for anyone in this room. You've never given your life to Jesus. You say, oh, man, you know, God's not going to want me. I've done so many bad things. Listen, that's exactly who God's after. He's not after saints. He's after sinners. Jesus said, I didn't come. For the righteous, I came for those who don't know me. I came to seek and save those that were lost. It's the mercies of God. You say, gosh, I've done so many bad things in my life. Listen, Jesus hung on a cross. He died for all of those things. He just wants you to receive his forgiveness. The deal is you give your life to him and he'll give his power back to you. And I'm going to ask in a moment, if there's anyone here, you've never given your life to Christ and you need to this morning, I'm going to ask you to indicate that in a minute. Or maybe you once walked with God, but you've walked right away from him and you need to come back to God today. I'm going to, you know, I'm not talking to you if you're a Christian and you're feeling a little guilty over something that you've done. You can go straight to God and ask his forgiveness. But I am talking to you. You might have been away from God for years. And today the Lord's calling you back. Can we close our eyes to help us concentrate?